<laughs> everything that I do is dangerous. That's the, the whole point. So as a stunt double, my job is to protect the actress. The only reason that I'm called in is because of the danger. Welcome to season two of Your Attention, Please, the companion podcast to the Hulu series of the same name that introduces us to present-day makers of Black history. I'm Kimberly Drew, a curator, writer, and co-editor of the anthology Black Futures. On each episode, I get to sit down with one of the 12 amazing and abundant Black innovators featured in the series this season. We'll delve into their stories, what drives them, how'd they get started, and what lessons have they learned along the way. Okay, so imagine flying 30 feet across a room or being strapped inside of a burning car. That's just a regular Monday in the life of stunt performer Jazzy Ellis. But me? Kimberly Drew? Yeah, not not really. I mean, I aspire to greater heights, but I am genuinely afraid of heights. And today, I get to talk to a Black woman who is absolutely killing it in the stunt industry and just got nominated for another SAG award. Jazzy Ellis has been in some of my favorite films, like Avengers, Infinity War, and Hot Tub Time Machine 2. Shout out to Craig Robinson, we see you. And television shows like Watchmen, Black Lightning, and Lovecraft Country. I love a good action scene. Like in Lovecraft Country, the Hippolyta episode, she's like traveling through time and space. It's amazing. And Jazzy was in that. In talking to her, I want to bring attention to all of the hard work and quote unquote movie magic that goes on behind the scenes. I'm so excited to hear about how adventure, experimentation, and safety inform her work. And why it's so important to have what she calls F.U. money. I've been a warrior, a zombie, a witch, a mercenary, an evil nun, a special ops soldier, (laughs) and I was once tackled by Jason Statham. I'm Jazzy Ellis, and I'm a professional stunt actor. Hi, Jazzy. Hi, Kimberly. How are you? I am so excited. There's so many things I want to talk to you about, but I think what might be best in terms of kicking it off, I want to ask you about why it's so important to share your story. What are some of the things that you're coming up against in your line of work? So first of all, I think it's important for me to to show my side of what it is to be a stunt performer because there's not a lot of black stunt women or not enough. And there's a reason for that. The industries that are based on stunts or that build into stunts are usually male dominated and usually dominated by white males. So the culture of stunts is to hire your friends and most of their friends are going to be just like them. So it's really hard to break in and I feel like I needed to tell people how. Tell me more about the how, (laughs) because obviously it's so cool, but what were some of the things that really drew you into it and how did you get your start? So when I figured out that I wanted to get into stunts, everyone told me to go to John Bernacker. He was a local New Orleans stunt performer. And so I did. He invited me out and it was a two hour session of just falling 
we learned tacos and flatbacks. A flatback is when from standing, you fall flat on your back. You do a little jump first and then you fall flat on your back. And then a taco is from standing when you fall flat on your back and your legs fold over on top of you. At the end of it, I was in incredible pain. And John was like, so you still want to be a stunt woman? That's what it takes. And I'm like, okay, I just got to get ready for that. <laughs> so that was my first training. And I, I went back, obviously. And so the first step is to know that you can do it because anyone out there can do it, no matter what your skin color, ethnicity, your body size, your whether you're able-bodied or disabled-bodied, there's disabled stunt performers. So like anyone can do it. And the number one thing is to know that you can, and then to build your community that's going to make sure that you can. So I had a whole bunch of stunt performers in, in Louisiana teaching me how they did it, and I just followed in their footsteps. I love that. Tell me more about who was in that community. What did it look like when you were all working together? So the stunt community in Louisiana was mostly martial artists, trickers, contortionists, circus folk, and a few stunt drivers. So a wide range of skills that are necessary to do stunts, and everyone knew a little bit of everything. And so I got to like pick from everyone's special skill or specialty. And by the end of my four years in Louisiana, I knew at least basic level of every skill needed to be a stunt double. And what are some of those skills for anyone who doesn't know? You got to know how to fall properly. And that means you're able to fall in such a way that you can go multiple takes without getting hurt. And that's the most important part. Don't get hurt. So knowing how to fall, knowing how to take reactions. Stunt performers don't hit each other. There's camera angles that we work with. And so you have to know camera angles um, and reactions and how to make it look like someone hit you when they did it. You got to know high falls and low falls. Low falls are falls below 30 feet and high falls are 30 feet and above. Some say 40 feet and above, but I do both. You've got to know the basics of stunt driving because even if you're, you're not saying that your specialty is stunt driving, you might be a double one day and the actress can't drive and they need somebody to do it. And so I can do basic level stunt driving. Fire burns, super fun. You've got to, well, you don't have to be okay with being lit on fire, but it's a really cool thing to learn and it's really exhilarating to do. Okay, okay. So just so we're clear, 30 feet <laughs> is a shortfall. Yes, that's a low fall. Okay, okay. That, that is news to me. Um, now that we've established that, how do you define dangerous in your job? Everything that I do for my job is dangerous. That's the whole point of my job. And it's important for me to say that and to know that and to respect that. Whether I'm falling from 50 feet or falling from five feet, there's still a danger of me getting hurt, injured, or killed. It's just the nature of the job. So going into a particular job, you just have to know how dangerous is it? Are you able to do the skill involved? Have you had practice doing the skill involved? Do you have yourself on video doing it so that the stunt coordinator who's getting all of the stunt department together so that they know if they need to correct you on a certain aspect of it? I wonder if for our listeners, you could illustrate or walk us through one of your more high-risk gags. What was that like and how did you navigate it? 
I was told, hey, Jazz, how comfortable are you being upside down for a long period of time? I was like, what will I have something to hold on to? Yeah, you'll be strapped into a, an upside down car. I was like, oh, cool. And it'll be on fire. Okay, who's the fire safety team? Who's pulling me out? Like, what's going on here? And so he explained the whole thing to me. We shot it in different segments. So we shot it with the actress outside of the car and used camera angles to make it look like she was in the car. And then we shot it with me inside the car and shot me moving around. And at the very last second, they lit the fire on the car. And I had to trust that the stunt man was going to pull me out safely. And he did. But then he put me in a fire ant hill. We didn't check the ground. See, that's that's the problem with what we did that day. We we're supposed to always check the surrounding. We were outside on grass. We thought, oh, we're fine. Those ants attacked me so bad. But I missed the fire. <laughs> the hazards on the job nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming from all angles. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. You never know. That was a fun gag and it actually turned out, it looked really good. Oh, good. Okay. I was going to say like, after it, was it worth the an attack? Was it worth hanging from the ceiling? It was. <laughs> it was. It was so worth it. It was so fun. I, I just love that the term is gag because it makes me think so much of queerness and the gag is. And so every time you say it, it just cracks me up. And the gag is. <laughs> and that's how the texts go. They're like, and the gag is. And I'm like waiting for it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. So you get that text saying what the gag is. What makes a gag, I don't know, exciting or comfortable for you? I like anything that pushes me to the next level, and I like working with people who I've worked with before. I worked on Selma, and I was one of the protesters on the bridge, on Edmund Pettus Bridge, which is it's renamed after John Lewis, but um, I was one of the stunt performers on that bridge, and it was really hard a hard scene to do because we were walking towards signs that say, you know, go home N-word, and there was a line of state police that we were walking towards, and those were the police officers who were going to beat us up. And all of us Black stunt performers were getting super emotional. And the stunt performer playing the state police officer who was beating me up, he said, Jazz, I need a reason to beat you up that's not because you're Black. I love Black people. <laughs> he said, tell me more about yourself. That was a way to make me feel super comfortable to really get into the, the depth of that scene. And he turned out to be a stunt coordinator. I didn't know. I should have known by the list and like looking people up. That's a note. Look up who you're working with. You get the call sheet with everyone's name. Look them up. And so I didn't know who he was, but I found out he was a stunt coordinator. And he invited me to work on Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters, because he knew that I um, my background was ballet and that transition into wire work is almost seamless. And Godzilla was a whole bunch of wire work. And so Godzilla was a super fun opportunity. I got to do wire gags over 50 feet. And it was just a fun time. I, I think that those relationships on set are the ones that can help us feel more comfortable. And, you know, it makes me think before today's conversation, uh, one of the words that I kept returning to was safety. How how can you negotiate safety, especially when you're doing such a dangerous job? And also, what might you advise others who are considering their safety in the line of work that you're doing? I think... Because I'm so visible and because the stunt community knows me nationwide, 
It's important for me to express my boundaries when it comes to a job. Yes, I've been in this game for eight years, but there's so much I don't know. And I say that whenever I get a call from a stunt coordinator asking me to do something um, or asking for my availability, because at this point, they don't even ask if you can do it. They just ask when you're available and say you're booked. And so I'm like, well, what's the gag? Let me make sure I can do it. <laughs> and that's your job as a stunt performer to make sure that you have all the details you need to make the decision that you can do it. And you have to think about the safety aspect for yourself in particular based on your skills. You have to think about who the stunt coordinator is personally. Can you take orders from them? Like, because that's that's the head of the department and you're the employee. It takes a lot of research, making phone calls to the people that you trust in the industry, asking about other people that you're being called to work with, and trusting your own intuition. If you have a bad feeling about something, trust that feeling and dive deeper into figuring out why you have that feeling. Is there something like uh, like an intimacy coach for stunts? And what does that relationship look like? Because I imagine there's a really dangerous role to be playing when you have someone calling the shots and the other people putting their body on the line. So I love that you asked that question. The intimacy coordinator in film is the person who protects the performers from any kind of undue trauma based on coercion to do a particular act for the scene. I wish we had that for stunts. I'll tell you, there's a lot of pressure to do certain things. Thank goodness I've had really great mentors to teach me how to say no. They say, always have a few money. You know what I mean? So always have enough money saved up so that you can say no to the most dangerous jobs or the jobs that you don't feel comfortable doing. But in terms of being on set and having that advocate for you, you have to be it for yourself at this point. And a lot of stunt women in particular are working towards having that same kind of advocate for stunts so that we can protect our bodies in the way that we need to personally. But that doesn't exist right now. We just have to fight for ourselves on set. Jazzy, I want to hear more about how the stunt industry has evolved over time and maybe your hopes for its future. But before we go there, we have some questions from Hulu subscribers who have watched your episode of Your Attention, Please. Y'all, it's not just about the questions that I have for our guests. You've seen Your Attention, Please, you may have some questions of your own, so ask them. Leave us a voicemail at 504-475-4858 for a chance to have your question featured on an upcoming episode of the podcast. So let's get into it. Here's what y'all wanted to know about Jazzy. This question is from Gabe in Virginia. What do you have left on your bucket list? There's so many things I have left, oh my goodness. I want to get my pilot's license. I want to refresh my stunt driving and take stunt driving jumping courses. So when the cars jump a distance and learning how to do that. I want to travel the world and study different martial arts forms. I just want to get better at everything I do. Here's a question from Sasha in DC. Jazzy, what is the most important lesson you have learned from falling? Make sure you get back up. <laughs> I guess that's the most important question. Make sure you get back up. Nothing nothing will keep you down unless you let it. So get back up. Our last question is from Gabby in Pennsylvania. In what ways do you feel that experimentation is leading 
or has led you to purpose? In every way. I feel like my whole life is an experiment and I, I, I try to do so many things because I want to see if I like it. And so that takes experimentation and that takes trying new things so that you can learn where you want to go. There's no way to find your purpose unless you experiment. Let's zoom out a bit. I would love just to hear more about the history of stunt performing. Are there any figures or practices or tidbits that you'd like to highlight that people may not be familiar with in your line of work? So the history of stunts, stunt performers now are in the Screen Actors Guild. We're considered at the same level of actors. And that's because of certain fighting that we did, I think, 40 years ago to get ourselves in. You know, I count myself in with them, even though it was 40 years ago. The reason that stunt performers are in the union is because we used to be like security for actors when when actors were negotiating with producers for the contract negotiations. The producers were actually getting violent, like there was mob stuff going on. And so the actors called upon stunt performers to be their bodyguards and then invited them into the union. Wait, literal bodyguards? Mm-hmm. Like showing up, you know, to protect the actors and like surround them while they had their talks about what to bring to the producers for the negotiations. I I need that movie. <laughs> I I need that movie. Are you available? That is such, I mean, what? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I wonder, you know, on that note, if you could talk about some things that we might think of as quote unquote movie magic. Um, I think magic in general is such a fraught concept because it often invisibilizes so much work that goes on behind the scenes. But I wonder if you could talk to us a bit about some things that might seem magical, but are actually really important to make your work possible. Everything. I'm thinking of like my day-to-day conditioning for my body. My background is ballet and I did a lot to, you know, upkeep my body for ballet training, but stunts is on a whole nother level. Like your body moves in all sorts of different ways, gets pulled in all sorts of different ways, so many different momentums, and you just have to be ready to go again, like immediately. And so I would say when I'm in my busiest season, I work out maybe six hours a day and then go to work. And like, that's a lot (laughs) on the body. So people don't see that. They just see the pretty like explosions and me going flying across the screen. I wonder for you, was there a specific moment that you realized that you had a thirst for adventure? For college, I went to Princeton. And to graduate from Princeton, you have to write a thesis. Your thesis is your independent research based on whatever you majored in. To complete this thesis, most people spend their time in libraries like for the whole year and just are stuck there. And that's not, I was always an outdoorsy person. Like I didn't know how adventurous I was, but I was always an outdoorsy person. And I just couldn't see myself spending 12 hours a day in a library, even though I love books. And so I talked to my advisor. I said, can I do something on the ground? And she was just like, where? I was like, well, can I go to the jungle? My major was uh, religion, by the way, and I minored in Spanish and I was pre-med at the time. A whole nother topic. Uh, So to bring those all together, I wrote a proposal to take me to the Amazon jungle, study with indigenous healers, and live out there for three months. (sighs) 
that was my first real taste of adventure. And when I came back to the States, I was like, I need more of this. You know, I wonder if for you, if you consider yourself to be a hero. I'm my own hero. I went through a lot in my childhood and in my early adulthood. And I feel like I am now the person that I needed to be or the person that I was like calling for to save me. Like I am that person now. So that's cool. And if other people want to consider me a hero too, cool. Like whatever you need to get you moving and get you towards your goals, sure. I love the idea of being what or who we might have needed for ourselves and of course for others. Which brings me to the importance of advocacy and mentorship. I know that as part of this project, you identified a nonprofit that you love and partnered with Hulu to support it. And I was so excited to see that you picked Girl Trek, which is so amazing because the founder of Girl Trek, Miss Morgan, was my eighth grade social studies teacher. That is so cool. <laughs> so could you talk more about what makes this organization so amazing and why you chose it? Girl Trek is an organization that's focused on the health of Black women. And it's at least been like hundreds of thousands, I think, so far that they've gotten women to go outside and walk and, and get their health back. So with stunts, there's injuries, right? And with the injuries that I've received, sometimes I can't do the full range of my workouts. And what got me going was Girl Trek. Like on the days that I could only walk, I was inspired to walk farther because of Girl Trek. And they have a series of podcasts that leads you through histories like Black history. And it's nice to have someone care about your health and inspire you to push past what you think your limits are. And so now with Girl Trek, when I go on my hikes, I'm inviting every Black woman I know and Black girl that I know to come with me. So many people have never like been to the, the state parks around here. Like I live 10 minutes away from one of the New Jersey state parks. And I'm like, have you not gone there? Like, let's go. Let's experience the outdoors. Okay, so first of all, let's just pause because as a host from New Jersey, I just want to give a big major shout out to the Garden State. Yes. People try to sleep on us, but we have so much incredible nature. Shout out to that. It's gorgeous. But I wonder for you, um, let's talk about you. <laughs> if you could talk to me a bit about your nature walks, what does nature provide for you, especially working in an industry as demanding as yours? It takes me outside of my own head. Like, I don't know if anyone listening can relate, but like, I get trapped in negative thought cycle sometimes. And going out and just putting my mind on nature and what's out in front of me and Sometimes I even try to like identify trees and animals and stuff. And that focus on other things and that reminder that life is beautiful, it puts things into perspective for me. I love that. And I think that those opportunities to convene with nature are so important, especially in this moment where so many of us are relegated to our homes. In doing my research, I read that you were part of a sorority. And I'd love to talk to you about sisterhood. What role might that play in your life and work? So I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And I mean, sisterhood's always been important to me. It was what I was lacking growing up. I grew up with nine brothers. And so I always wanted females in my surrounding. I got that in college through Delta. And um, coming out of college, I didn't have that at all. 
stunts brought it back to me. And it was through a phone call. Like I didn't have many female friends in stunts in Louisiana. I had maybe two. But then I got a phone call one day to tell me not to take a certain job because of the safety issues. And that was from two women on a three-way call who I now describe as my closest friends and also my mentors, my stunt mentors. So they keep me in line. They keep me safe. They keep me level-headed. It's powerful what they do. Shout out to sisterhood, mentorship, and those that keep us grounded. On another note, I wonder, how do you define or measure success for yourself? When did you realize that you had really reached a new benchmark in your career? So I I don't have an outside measure for my success, like, at all. Um, what I ask myself at the end of the day is, were you brave today? And brave doesn't mean stupid. <laughs> so let me just, like, clarify that right now. Um, brave for me is if I have the skills to do something, did I do it? I think when I realized that I was killing it for myself, I was doing brave things every day. I think that's so important to be brave every single day. I want to end by talking about hope. What are some of the hopes that you have for the industry? I hope that casting becomes equitable, that every film is diverse and inclusive as long as it goes with the storyline, that stunt performers are safe with their bosses. And I mean, through physical action, through, you know, just personal interactions that, like I said, in, in terms of being an advocate for yourself, I hope that there's a job created so that someone can be an advocate for the stunt performers between the stunt performers and the stunt coordinators. I hope that the industry focuses on safety more than money. That's so big right now. And stunt performers are and have been constantly fighting for our safety. And then we're pushed back with the cost of that safety. So I'm hoping in the future that producers and, and film companies focus on the safety of their performers instead of money. Yes. Some of the best advice that I've ever gotten from a mentor is never to be the cheapest option, which isn't to say hike up your rates, ask for tons and tons of money, but really is to say you should be able to at any point advocate for yourself, for your safety, for your needs. And if not just for yourself, Think about the other people who will come after you. It's so, so important that we are constantly thinking about how we can pave a better terrain for others. Exactly. Jazzy, thank you so much for all that you do and all the ways that you are inspiring others. Thank you so much for having me. Like, this has been so fun to talk with you. Well, I don't know about you, but I am still stuck on when she said 30 feet was a shortfall. I am so impressed by Jazzy's groundedness, her bravery, and the grace that goes into a job that requires so much risk and danger. Not only does she put her whole body into everything that she does, she makes sure that the stunts, gags, all of it look flawless. And 
If that wasn't enough, she is paving the way for other women in her field. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't you worry, we've got so much more in store. We'll be talking to a whole host of makers on this podcast. So if you have a question that you'd like to ask them, leave us a voicemail at 504-475-4858 for a chance to have your question featured on an upcoming episode of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a rating, write a review, forward it to your cousin. It'll help more people find this show. Episodes are available literally anywhere and everywhere that podcasts are found. And also right within the Hulu platform. And if you haven't already, be sure to watch Your Attention Please, now streaming on Hulu. The episodes are also available for free on Hulu's YouTube channel. So don't be afraid to find what you love, share it with the world, and scream from the mountaintop, Your Attention Please. Your Attention, Please! The Podcast is a production of Hulu and Pineapple Street Studios. Our executive producers are Jenna Weiss-Berman, Max Linsky, J.N. Barry, and Barry Finkel. Our lead producer is Sophia Steinert-Evoy, and our associate producer is Brianna Garrett. The Your Attention, Please! theme song is composed by Teddy Walton. Our show is engineered by Davey Sumner. And of course, I'm your host, Kimberly Drew. You can find me on social media at at Museum Mammy. That's all for this week, but we'll be back next Tuesday with more Black excellence. <laughs> <laughs>